Good morning. In today's headlines, a gunman killed five people in North Carolina on Thursday. Find out what we know so far about the attack. Updates in the trial of the Parkland school shooter. We bring you reactions from victims' families after hearing the jury's recommendation for the gunman. Tampa Bay Buccaneers head, head coach Todd Bowles goes viral when clips of his spirited press conference are shared on social media. Millions of Social Security recipients will be seeing a big boost in their benefits this next year, but will inflation and Fed rate hikes eat that up? And an extraordinary sight in China's capital, two big banners railing against Communist Party leader Xi Jinping were hanging on a busy overpass in Beijing. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Friday, October 14th. You know, that is some big news about Social Security payments going up. I mean, it must be so hard to be on a fixed income when prices are so high. I mean, this year payments went up about 6%, but that only covered about half the increased price of necessities for some recipients. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and more on that later in the program. But right now, we do have some sad news to break. A gunman shot and killed five people in North Carolina. One was an off-duty police officer. At least two others were wounded. The suspect eluded capture for hours, but police eventually cornered him in a home last night. He's now in custody. Here's North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper on Thursday's shooting. Tonight, terror has reached our doorstep. The nightmare of every community has come to Raleigh. These law enforcement officers ran to the crisis when they knew that there was an active shooter who was ready to kill people. I'm grateful for the coordinated effort that happened here tonight. Police say the shooting took place along a walking trail in North Carolina's capital city of Raleigh. Authorities shut down parts of the city during the manhunt. Officials described the suspect only as a white juvenile male. His identity and age have not yet been released. Of the two wounded, one was a police officer with non-life-threatening injuries. He was released from the hospital after being treated. Police say the other survivor is in critical condition. And local media, local media reported the shooter used the, some, some kind of long gun in the attack. We don't know his motive yet. Police gave no details about how the shooting spree began or of the suspect's arrest, but we'll keep you updated. And now for an update. In the trial of the Parkland school shooter, parents of victims looked on in disappointment Thursday as Florida jury decided to spare Nicholas Cruz. He's the gunman convicted of killing 17 people in 2018 at a high school in Parkland. Prosecutors were seeking the death penalty. Instead, the jury recommended life in prison without the possibility of parole. Nicholas Cruz knowingly created a great risk of death to many persons. Yes. A Florida jury on Thursday decided to spare the life of Nicholas Cruz, the gunman who killed 17 people in 2018 at a high school in the city of Parkland, calling for life in prison without possibility of parole instead of the death penalty. We, the jury, unanimously find that the aggravating factors that were proven beyond a reasonable doubt outweigh the mitigating circumstances established. No. Mitigating circumstances outweighed aggravating factors in each of the 17 murders, according to the jury, and so the prosecution's request for the death penalty was not supported. 
Some family members wiped their eyes, others shook their heads and covered their faces. While they stayed quiet inside the courtroom, many expressed outrage afterwards. I was prepared for the rest of my life to seek justice, and I, I could not be more disappointed in what happened today. We are beyond disappointed with the Elon and Lori Alhadef, whose daughter Alyssa was killed in the shooting, told reporters outside of the courtroom they were disgusted with the outcome. I'm disgusted with those jurors. I'm disgusted with the system. What do we have the death penalty for? What is the purpose of it? 24-year-old Cruz had pleaded guilty last year to premeditated murder at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He used a semi-automatic rifle to kill 14 students and three staff members in one of the deadliest school shootings in American history. The sentencing trial, held after Cruz's guilty plea, lasted three months. Family members whose loved ones were murdered, as well as survivors, provided emotional testimony throughout the trial. She wasn't given time here with us to continue to write her story. The prosecution, arguing the crime was premeditated, heinous, and cruel. But the defense called witnesses who testified about Cruz's mental health disorders, resulting from his biological mother's substance abuse during pregnancy. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis weighed in on the verdict while speaking at an event in Cape Coral, Florida. I think that uh, if you have a death penalty at all, uh, that that is a case where you're massacring those students with premeditation uh, and utter disregard for basic humanity, that you deserve the death penalty. And so the jurors came back. Apparently it was 11 to 1 with one holdout refusing to authorize uh, the ultimate punishment. And that means that uh, this killer is going to end up uh, getting a same sentence of people who've committed bad acts, but acts that did not rise to this level. I just don't think anything else is appropriate uh, except a capital sentence in this case. He also says that everyone knows Nicholas Cruz was guilty and in the past he would have been executed in six months. And now it's been four years and because one juror was holding out, DeSantis said he feels the system isn't serving the victim's interests. And with the midterm elections quickly approaching, debates between nominees are heating up. In Michigan's race for governor, Democratic incumbent Gretchen Whitmer took to the stage yesterday against her challenger, Trump-backed Republican nominee Tudor Dixon. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more from the first of two debates. None of what my opponent just said is true. It just isn't. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer wants voters to take her word for it. But both gubernatorial candidates say the other is prone to lying. She just is completely making that up. The two battled it out on hot topic issues like abortion, gun control, and public health. She said she wanted to make abortion a felony, no exceptions for rape, incest, or health of the woman, and throw doctors and nurses in jail. That is too extreme and too dangerous. Dixon denied Whitmer's claims and says her position on abortion is clear. I've never said that I wanted to criminalize people. I've never said I wanted this to be a felony. I am pro-life with exceptions for life of the mother. Dixon is a former steel industry executive and conservative commentator. She has not yet held public office. Whitmer called her ideas dangerous. We cannot trust our future to dangerous people who peddle conspiracy theories, to people for whom problems are more politically valuable than solutions. As for Dixon, she had a similar view about the incumbent governor and her policies. Radical, dangerous, and destructive. Crime is up, 
jobs are down, schools are worse, and the roads didn't get fixed. That's what happens when you hire a radical career politician. You go in the wrong direction. Whitmer fiercely defended her actions during her term. You're going to hear a lot of divisive rhetoric and a focus on the past for my opponent. She says if Dixon had been governor during the pandemic, thousands more would have died. Dixon disagreed, saying Whitmer's lockdowns hurt small businesses, the statewide economy, and stopped kids from attending school. Do not be deceived. This is a woman who shut down the state and had to have her powers, her powers, removed by the Supreme Court. Do not trust her with another four years to terrorize you. The outcome of the governor's race has implications outside the state. With Michigan being a presidential election battleground, the winner could influence voting laws and how the 2024 election is conducted. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Venezuelan migrants stranded at the southern border fear they may never reach the United States. This after a deal between the U.S. and Mexico that clamps down on illegal crossings by the migrants. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more. Under the plan, Washington will grant up to 24,000 Venezuelans humanitarian access to the United States by air. To qualify for the program, applicants need to have U.S.-based sponsors and must not go to the U.S.-Mexico border. Those who attempt to cross the southern border of the United States illegally will be returned. Returned to Mexico under a Trump-era pandemic rule known as Title 42 Authority. The rule suspends rights to seek asylum under U.S. and international law on grounds of preventing the spread of COVID-19. Before the new policy, Venezuelans who crossed illegally into the United States were often allowed to stay because it was difficult to send them back to Venezuela or Mexico. The 100,000 Venezuelans already in the U.S. will be allowed to stay and seek asylum. However, the asylum process is currently grappling with a backlog. Christoph Veres of the Migration Research Institute says the greatest problem with the U.S. system is that it doesn't make the distinction between migrants and refugees. The asylum system itself shouldn't uh, be hijacked by uh, economic migrants. Meanwhile, dozens of Venezuelan migrants turned up yesterday at the Mexico City bus terminal to get bus tickets to continue their journey towards the U.S. This despite the announcement of the new expulsion policy. We don't have any more money. I came with my three children. I will try to cross. I have nothing to lose. I have nothing, only God, that country I'm going to, and my family. This priest and migrant shelter director worries about all those who will gather on the Mexican side of the border. He says the shelters are already overbooked. And don't forget violence, kidnappings, and all sorts of difficult situations here. So, honestly, it seems like they have reached agreements in offices that benefit their own interests. An ongoing political and economic crisis in Venezuela has resulted in massive emigration from the country. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. A video of an NFL press conference with Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach has gained traction on Twitter with over 3 million views as of this morning. Reporters asked coach Todd Bowles several race-focused questions when the conference took an unexpected turn. You and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship is like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that fold. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. With his answer, it seemed Bowles wanted to move on from the race theme. However, another reporter at the conference continued with a follow-up question. She said, quote, but you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players see you guys, they see someone who looks like them, maybe grew up like them. That has to mean something.
Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grow up like them, it means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. Interesting press conference indeed. Yeah, it sure was. I mean, Todd Bowles also played eight seasons in the NFL as a safety. And this is his first year as head coach for the GOAT, Tom Brady. Oh, GOAT. Okay, so you know football then. Well, I mean, it's just everyone knows the GOAT. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, but moving on to a very different topic now. A rare sight in China's capital on Thursday. Two banners railing against Communist Party leader Xi Jinping and his policies hung on a busy overpass in Beijing. This is just a few days ahead of the upcoming Communist Party Congress meeting. One of them reads, let's go on strike from classes and work and remove the traitorous dictator Xi Jinping. The other reads, say no to COVID tests, yes to food, no to lockdowns, yes to freedom, no to lies, yes to dignity, no to cultural revolution, yes to reform, no to the great leader, yes to voting, don't be a slave, be a citizen. Video shows plumes of black smoke rising from the overpass and a voice repeating the message on loudspeaker. The police quickly came to take the banners away. The event is extraordinary because it happened in China's capital city. In recent weeks, Beijing has been boosting security for a Communist Party Congress meeting where Xi is expected to take an unprecedented third term. It's also highly unusual for Xi to be condemned by name during protests. Posts related to the protests have been removed from China's internet just a few hours after the incident. Even the word Beijing was banned from Chinese social media. And the protesters will likely face severe punishment. China's zero COVID-19 policy led to frequent lockdowns and caused heavy economic damage. It has fueled widespread frustration in Chinese cities. One Chinese social media, Chinese social media user wrote, there was a brave person in Beijing today. Coming up, Social Security recipients will be seeing a nice boost, and we'll take a look at inflation. And Elon Musk says his company SpaceX can't keep picking up the tab for internet service in Ukraine. He wants the Pentagon to cover the bill. Stay tuned for more in just a minute. Continuing the program uh, with some updates for consumers worried about inflation, I'm afraid we do not have good news for you. Data from the Department of Labor showed the consumer price index rose more than expected in September. Overall, consumer prices went up 0.4% and were up by 8.2% from the year before. If we break down the numbers, gas prices fell a bit, but food and shelter prices kept going up. As the, in, as the inflation numbers increase, there is concern the Federal Reserve will continue with historic rate hikes. It has already raised its benchmark interest rate five times this year, this year, I should say, in hopes to lower demand and in this way cool the economy. Now, the growing consumer prices prompted the Social Security Administration to announce a boost for its retirement benefits next year. President Biden made the announcement in Los Angeles. Today, I'm announcing the Social Security benefits are going to go up by an average of $140 a month, even as Medicare premiums go down. So, folks, seniors are going to get inflation next year. For the first time in 10 years, their Social Security checks will go up while their Medicare premiums go down. 
Nearly 70 million Americans get Social Security benefits and almost 8 million disabled workers receive Supplemental Security Income or SSI benefits. And the Social Security and SSI will be seeing an increase of nearly 9% starting next year. That's the biggest increase in over 40 years. Right, that's combined with a 3% decrease in some Medicare premiums. Social Security recipients will receive an extra $140 a month on average. And inflation stayed hot in September, but shoppers didn't need new government data to tell them that. Basic staples like bread continue to push grocery tabs higher and strain household budgets. But just like consumers, bakers, big and small, feel the squeeze too. Here's more. Wondering how the price of bread has skyrocketed? Teresa Velasquez can break it down. A flour right now is a big one. Probably I got to put in a big order for... I don't know, probably about 20 or so bags to get me through the weekend. Baguettes, breads, biscuits, and lots of cupcakes have been the family business for more than two decades. And when prepping goods for her two Washington, D.C. shops, baked and wired, and a bake joint, there's a few things she can't work without. It's amazing what four ingredients can make such a vast difference of everything else. Sugar, eggs, butter, and flour are the foundation of almost every recipe. The rise in price for those items impacting big bakeries that stock supermarket shelves, but especially smaller operators like Velasquez and her family. When I sit down to order, I go through three vendors to figure out where am I going to get the best price on eggs? Where am I going to get the best price on butter? Along with other complexities of the post-pandemic economy, the war in Ukraine has put pressure on grain prices and driven up flour costs. Bird flu diminished supply in the wholesale egg market this year. And butter inventories tight after Western heat waves curbed cows' dairy production. Since October 2019, this same time of year, pre-pandemic, Velasquez says the price she pays for butter has increased 43%. Eggs up 63% flour up 86%. I went from pre-pandemic paying almost $15 for a 50-pound bag of flour and now I'm up to $28 for a bag of flour. For the latest government numbers, consumer food prices rose 11.2% over last September. Bakery products, including bread and cereals, are up 16.2% in the same period. Breaking down her costs, it makes sense that a baker like Velasquez would raise prices, but she hesitates to put too much on customers. There's only so much someone's going to pay for a sandwich or a baguette or a croissant, you know, so it's a balance. So Velasquez keeps crunching the numbers. I sit here on my order days and I just play this game all the time. Hoping key markets smooth out soon. In other news, a federal judge in West Virginia has blocked a law banning possession of firearms with the serial numbers removed. Judge Joseph Goodwin ruled that firearms with the serial number filed off should be considered legal under the Constitution, citing a recent Supreme Court decision that holds the constitutional right to bear arms as fundamental. The judge acknowledged that guns without serial numbers are more likely to be used in a violent crime, but the judge wrote that this is the exact type of means and reasoning the Supreme Court forbids him from taking. Goodwin believes his is the first federal court to address the serial numbers issue. Elon Musk is warning that free internet for Ukraine's military using SpaceX Starlink could be coming to an end. The company has donated about 20,000 Starlink satellite units to Ukraine, aiding the country's military communication after cellular and internet networks were destroyed in the war with Russia. 
Now Musk says that cost his company $80 million, and he warned the Pentagon that this won't continue. He sent a letter asking the U.S. military to pay tens of millions million dollars per month for the service. The sum would add up to $400 million for the next 12 months. Sources say Starlink is the main way troops on the battlefield communicate. And coming up, a third grader who dreams of becoming a farmer opened his own plant and produce stand. We have the story of how he became an entrepreneur after the break. Welcome back. Here's a young boy from Pennsylvania who is using his passion to start a business. He owns a plant and produce stand and has won many loyal customers already. Now that pumpkin season is here, he has many colorful types of pumpkins on display. I like almost all animals and um, I really like farms. Nine-year-old John Luke Rattle wants to be a farmer when he grows up. He grew pumpkins one year and had way too many, so he put them out to sell, and when he made a couple bucks, he was really excited. So the third grader from Newport, Pennsylvania, decided to open his own plant and produce stand. He's learning a lot about business, so we're really proud of him. Wanting to nurture his dream, Stacy and Joe bought a stand. Then they took John Luke to a produce auction to purchase quality fresh veggies to sell. He has since gained many loyal customers. The stand is open even when he is at school, thanks to an honor system for money collection. The three best vegetables that I was doing were zucchini, cucumbers, and tomatoes. I have a little jar for like money. It's like one of those coffee cans for money to put in. So like if somebody comes to my stand when I'm at school, they can get what they want and I have a little menu so they know how much the stuff is and they could add up the price and they could put the money in the jar. But it's not always sunshine and rainbows at the business. Lucky's our pet goat and um, the thing that she eats the most is like tomatoes and the peaches. When I'm not outside, she goes down to my stand and hops up on it. Now John Luke has prepared a large array of pumpkins for his customers. He has everything from goosebump pumpkins to lemonade and even face pumpkins. He knows what it takes to make money now. I save it for the next auction and I'm saving up for a farm. The nine-year-old already knows what sells best and plans the crops for his future farm. I'm probably going to grow some corn because that was a good seller. I'm definitely going to grow pumpkins. I already sold a lot of those before I was even open. The young entrepreneur is beloved by all and has made his family proud. He's learning what, uh, what money actually means. Instead of asking for things all the time, he offers to buy things sometimes. We're very proud of him. He's been doing a lot of hard work to keep his stand stocked. John Luke already knows that gratitude is what brings good business. I want to say thank you to all my customers and my nan and pap for taking me to the auctions. That's, that's just great. I mean, the honor system, come on, that's awesome. Right, and he actually told a reporter that he will grow zucchinis, cucumbers, and tomatoes as well, and he will have an orchard, probably apples and peaches. Very interesting. Well, we're going to go ahead with some more pumpkins. Some elephants at the Portland's Oregon Zoo helped usher in the Halloween season by tackling some giant pumpkins. 
The zoo's elephants got to play with and taste several pumpkins donated by a local growers club. The pumpkins weighed between 300 and 800 pounds each. Big, but no match for the much larger elephants. Oregon Zoo has a tradition of sharing giant pumpkins with its elephants each fall since 1999. And those pumpkins are just the right size for the elephants. Right, absolutely. You know, uh, Kevin, I see it in your eyes. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Coming, I know it. Yep, all right, here it goes. What food does a pumpkin become after an elephant steps on it? What? Squash. Good end to the show as usual with your jokes, so thank you for that. That's all for today's program. Before you go, though, remember you can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.